I'm Jennifer Nielsen, and this is Let It Glow, Episode 45, The Shame Game. Ready, set, glow. Welcome to the Let It Glow podcast, a happy place where you'll learn how to let your soul shine and discover new ways to design your best life. I'm your host, Jennifer Nielsen. Hello again, and welcome to another podcast episode. So let's just start out by saying that shame is not a game you want to play. And there's so much talk about shame, but for me, it's a subject that I know intimately well, and it's something that I'm very passionate about talking about because I know what it can do when it's unaddressed. Because really, shame is a soul-eating, toxic emotion that creeps in so subtly and slowly that it almost rots you from the inside out. And it's so insidious that it tricks you into believing that you've done something to deserve it. So it just creates this cycle. And this really came to head for me a few years ago. I had been doing a lot of work, and I felt like I was in a really good place. And I mentioned to a family member that I was still going to counseling, and and this this particular family member said something along the lines, well, why are you still going to counseling? It doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> like, basically, in their mind, if counseling was working, I wouldn't have to keep going. And it, it kind of stopped me in my tracks, I'll be honest. And of course, I got a little defensive because <laughs> that's that's kind of how I responded back then because I still had a little bit of shame in me that told me that what somebody else believed was somehow true. And it made me question my healing process and where I was because, I mean, I thought shame was a thing of the past for me. And in that moment, I realized that it was still there. And I look back at my whole life and I've lived with shame and anxiety and depression and, and insecurities for most of my life. And, you know, just growing up, I didn't even realize that I was in this constant state of fight or flight because that's all I knew. I was always on. I had a dream about this just recently where I was talking with one of my sisters and it was just like, you know, we have this trauma that was just so just gut-wrenching and changed the, the, the entire core of my being. But it kind of left me in this place of always being on. And that it's exhausting and it's it's not sustainable. And really that feeling that I had that it, I was broken and unworthy was just, I just assumed that's who I was and that's the way I was always going to be. And then to add to the shame and despair, I was constantly reminded growing up how lucky I was. Apparently, money and a big house and cute clothes seemed to automatically equate to happiness. And then I was part of this, this religion that also told you that you should be happy if you just do X, Y, and Z. And at the end of the day, I wasn't happy. And I didn't know how to be happy because I was doing all the things that I was told to do. And yet, the harder I tried, the worse I felt. But I really presented very well. I was voted class con in high school. I had a lot of friends. And really, I just did everything I could do to hide my ugly secret. So at the ripe old age of 18, almost 19, I got married. And then along came children. 
and this brought new joys and new challenges, but the emptiness and the shame was constant. I coped through perfectionism, (laughs) people-pleasing, and projects. I was a project girl, and I seemed happy. And I do believe that that I felt happiness in a lot of these ways. And being a mom for me especially was an area in my life that has always brought me a lot of happiness. But deep down, I really wasn't genuinely at peace genuinely happy. There was an incongruency that got bigger and heavier as I got older. And really, I should have been happy. You know, the should-haves, the shitting all over yourself. I, I felt even worse because I didn't know how to overcome this because I should be happy. But I wasn't. Eventually, I cracked. The memories of the childhood sexual abuse that I experienced along with a pile of other crap sandwiches, about 12 or 13 years ago forced me to face my inner demons. I I literally wanted to disappear. It was just too much. I felt broken beyond repair. And I've shared this before, but I want to help you understand specifically in in terms of shame, how the the shame that I experienced and felt was a cloak of heaviness that just kept me bound to this pain and to this despair. And, you know, just recently, the whole Harry and Meghan interview, and I'm not going to go into that or argue the validity of their claims, but I will speak to a hot button for me. And it's been said about her, like, what does she have to be depressed about? And I remember growing up kind of being presented with that same question, almost like, from my mom or from just different people. It's like, what do you have to be sad about? What's your problem? Look at all that you have. When in reality, all I really wanted was to be okay, to feel okay, to feel whole, to feel safe, to feel at peace. And all of those things, accomplishments that I seemed to collect to make me feel better about myself didn't take it didn't fill that void. It didn't take place of that. It was still there. And really for the love, I mean, are people really this clueless that we think that you that things and success and marriage and kids and all these external you know outcomes that it automatically creates happiness? Because external abundance in any form doesn't equate to internal happiness. This misconception is extremely damaging and toxic to those who are struggling with shame, depression, and anxiety. No one is exempt from these kind of struggles either, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of what religion you were raised in or how many people love you. It's something you have to figure out within. Shame is a lie. Shame has no purpose but to disconnect you from love, from God, from connection. And so to really tackle this topic of shame, it's important to kind of understand the symptoms. Because maybe you're listening, you're like, well, how do I know if I have shame? What does shame look like? Well, I'll give you some examples of this. Self-blame, wanting to disappear, perfectionism, anxiety or depression, Anger, addiction, loneliness. 
a lot of times the shame comes out in these other ways. And so, like I said, we're not really even sure how, how to identify with it. And for me, all of these, in some form or another, apply to the way that I coped and how shame showed up in my life. And perfectionism is a big one. And I love Brene Brown. And she's really kind of, she's become the worldwide expert on shame. And she has a lot of valuable knowledge and information around this topic. But much of what I've learned has been from my own personal experiences. But she does say one thing that I really like. And she says, when perfectionism is driving us, shame is riding shotgun, and fear is that annoying backseat driver. (laughs) So just understanding that shame might be affecting you more than you realize, but if you can identify it and, and, and look at how it's showing up in your life, then you can do something different. Because here's probably one of the most important things I want you to hear me today. Shame is not a life sentence. I truly believed at a very deep level that the way that I was was the way I was always going to be and that I would always feel crappy about myself or that I'd always feel like I was falling short and that other people somehow could find happiness in a way that I would never be able to. So if you're swimming in the cesspool of shame, please, please, please know there is a way out. And the way to combat shame is with grace, vulnerability, and asking for help. But the irony of all of this is that shame is the very thing that stops people from getting help. They feel shameful for having shame. So it is creating this whole cycle that keeps going and going and going. But you can break this shame cycle. And, And it's important to understand that there Oftentimes, shame and guilt are kind of linked together. But I look at shame and guilt a little bit differently. And this is something that I've seen in my own life is shame is I am bad. I am my mistake. Whereas guilt is I did something bad. I made a mistake. So for so much of my life, I felt defined by my mistakes or even my successes. Somehow it was all contingent on what I was able, how I was able to perform or to show up. So if I did something bad, it wasn't just an event or a moment. It was, I am bad. I am defective. And really, shame feels final. Like I talked about that, that feeling of this life sentence, whereas guilt is not meant to be permanent. Guilt is like that little internal fire alarm that's signaling you that you've missed the mark, that you need to make some tweaks. It's, it's fixable and it doesn't define who you are. And for me, shame is a place I never want to go. And guilt is just a little short stop along the way that helps us identify what we need to work on, check in, and move on. It's also not a place that we want to stay. But really, shame has a way of holding you hostage to your mistakes, to your traumas, to your shortcomings. And it tells you that you are wrong. And again, that you are these mistakes, so that you're defined by this. So. Don't let shame weigh you down. It was my unwelcome companion for far too long, and I've seen it in so many of the clients that I that I work with. And what I've noticed with shame, if you've experienced a level of shame, you have a way of turning that around to other people. And that was kind of what happened to me back to that moment when that individual who hasn't done their work, 
made that quick little jabbing statement of, well, it's not working, or why do you have to keep going? Why aren't you fixed yet? We often inflict shame on other people. And when I learned how to separate myself from my shame, I also learned how to separate myself from other people and what they thought about me and their opinions. Because when you're in a relationship or in an unhealthy relationship and you're setting those boundaries, you're trying to separate yourself, the other person often feels like you're leaving them behind when you're trying to make these changes and you're trying to set these boundaries. And that's not so. So one thing I want you to understand is oftentimes when there's shame, it creates this level of dysfunction within family systems. And for me, I had a very specific role growing up as to who I was expected to be. And that was happy, pleasant, a fixer, kind of the glue of the family. I kind of liked that role. And I I didn't realize until later in life that that really, you know, reaped its own havoc. But it's for me, I just decided I wanted I wanted to choose the role of who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in the world, not the one that was just expected of me or given to me. And for those of you that you know are trying to make these changes and adjustments in your life and you're trying to deal with separating yourself from the shame that's maybe been inflicted upon you from family members or in relationships. But I, it's important to understand that when you change your role in an unhealthy relationship, the other person involved often feels like you're leaving them behind. Not so. You're leaving behind the version of who they needed you to be and discovering who you need you to be, the real you. So, so often we grow up in these dysfunctional families, you are assigned these certain roles. And in order to keep the system in check, you learn to fulfill these roles. And like I kind of explained earlier, your value, your worth, and identity then becomes linked to these assigned roles. And really, going back to the the whole essence of this is the real you is lost. And shame has a way of detaching you from the real you. Because really, a lot of the shame that we've learned happens from our trauma from other people or dysfunction in our families. And although you didn't choose that programming you received as a child— whatever that shame is that was inflicted upon you. But you are 100% responsible as an adult to figure it out and become who you are meant to be. This will mean challenging the systems that others have become accustomed to. This will mean disruption. Let me just challenge you, don't run from the disruption. The real you is fighting, is worth fighting for. Because Shame does really well in secrecy and in not being dealt with. And the most dangerous thing to do after shaming experience is to hide or bury our story. When we bury our story, the shame metastasizes. And that's, again, a Brene Brown quote. And so it's just understanding that when you're trying to deal with uncovering the shame and breaking free from it, there will be a level of disruption. But it's allowing you to clear up what you need to clear up so you can find that real you, who you were always meant to be. And for me, I personally have to fight every day for my mental health. And I wouldn't be lying if I didn't say it wasn't hell at times or a lot of times. But I feel like I've been blessed because I've been exposed and had access to tools 
that can help me see a different way of being. So for those of you who are listening, maybe maybe you don't struggle with shame. Maybe you do. But what can you do to help those around you that are struggling with this? Or what can you do for yourself? Well, number one, quit judging. Judging yourself or judging others. And always err on the side of kindness when someone is struggling. And being kind to yourself. And if you're suffering, please get help. This is not a battle that is meant to be fought alone. Give yourself grace and space. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. These are the three things that I feel like are the biggest ways to combat shame, grace, asking for help, and vulnerability. And really, vulnerability opens the door to the real you. Vulnerability is courageous, and it's not always comfortable. I mean, I've, I know I've shared this before, but I remember years ago, just in the thick of this, and my son was like, Mom, what is going on? And we were just in this digging, digging, digging stage in our life, my husband and I both. And I explained to him, you know, we live in Arizona. The, the, the dirt here is just, we, there's, you have to do a lot of work before you can even plant flowers. You have to clear out the weeds. You have to break down the earth. You have to add mulch. And you just, it takes a lot of work to even prepare the soil, to till the soil so that you can plant something beautiful. And so for all of you here that are listening, you're in that middle of that, that, that place maybe where it just feels like work. And you don't see the fruits of your labor yet. But it will happen as you continue to consistently do your work and to do those things. Give yourself grace and space. Ask for help. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable. So just again, to, just to kind of finish up that whole counseling conversation that I had with that family member. One thing I wish I would have said to them that I didn't say that I want to tell you now to set you up for a level of what it looks like when you're having this healing and this growth and overcoming things as toxic and difficult as shame. Healing and becoming resilient doesn't mean that you just arrive at this destination and and all of a sudden you're fixed. It means that you know that no matter what happens, you can bounce back quicker and that it doesn't define you. I still have to ask for help. And that's okay. But ultimately, I know that I'm going to figure it out. And that I'm worth fighting for. And that it's hope. there's hope. And that it's figureoutable. So if someone tries to tell you who you are, don't believe them. If you're still buying into that shame that there's something wrong with you, or that there's no hope for you, don't believe those lies. And just know you're not alone. I broke the cycle. I work with clients on a regular basis that are breaking the cycles. And I'm training individuals that can help others continue to break the cycle. Because if you know what to do, and if you have the right tools, you can find a solution and a resolution. And there's several ways that if you're interested in working with me and want to go deeper, 
I do one-on-one sessions. And like I mentioned, I train people to do what I do, to become dig specialists. Because I have found the greatest reward for me in all of my healing journey is to be able to offer people hope, a transformation, and a new way of being that they never thought was possible for them before. So just know that I am cheering you on and that shame is optional. It doesn't have to be part of your life. And today might be that day that you can take that next step to help you overcoming shame, to combat shame. And just remember and know that it is possible and you are worth fighting for. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to the Let It Glow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, share the love with a friend. This podcast can be found on iTunes or subscribe on my website at www.let-it-glow.com. And remember, let go and let it glow.